Montana. And I'm Samantha. And you're listening to Reaper Tells. Today on episode two, I'm going to tell Montana about three of the most famous caves in Alabama. But first, what are we drinking today, Montana? Glad you asked. Today, we are drinking Cave of Wonders cocktail. It's so this recipe makes two drinks. Um, don't Thank make you the for same specifying. Mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and make it a double for one. Doubles <laughs> are always good. True. So it's three ounces of pineapple vodka, three ounces of cherry liqueur, which I substituted uh, strawberry, and Samantha substituted pomegranate. 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 Because for whatever reason, you can't find cherry liqueur. So good luck to you. All two of you. Um, (laughs) Two small splashes of grenadine. If you don't have grenadine, you can use simple syrup. That's what I use. Um, And some Sprite or lemon lime soda. Uh, And if you have it, which we didn't, you can top it off with some dry ice, which gives it like a smoky mess on top. Cocktail looks really cool online. It's kind of bland in person, but it tastes really good. Anyway, Sam. It's quite yummy. And I'm really excited about this episode. <laughs> I've been so stoked about it all week long. Tell me about Alabama no Caverns. No pressure. <laughs> okay. None at all. Um, so to start, I will just say as of 2007, more than 4,200 caves have been discovered. That's like, that's a lot. (laughs) Most, you know, Alabama is just ridiculously full of caverns and caves. You were going to say something. Is there like a, is there a distinction between caverns and caves? No, basically the same thing. Um, Just depends on who's talking about it. Two of the ones that I'm going to talk about are considered quote unquote caves. And then one of them is considered a cavern. Basically, from what I could understand, a cave is like there's one big opening and a cavern has like multiple. So it, it okay. it's not necessarily bigger. It just has more openings where you have the, the big like, uh, I want to say cavern, but it is a cavern. So that's not helpful. <laughs> it's like an atrium. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Um, but there's basically a lot of openings and there's there's big areas that have different types of formations if it's a cavern. Caves, not so much. The, it it kind of seemed like caverns were, were like a bigger area, but not necessarily. I mean, it just wasn't very clear. Um, I think it just depends on who you're talking to, honestly. Um, that okay. being said, the three we're going to cover today are the Shelter Cave in Huntsville. The Banger Cave, and that's B-A-N-G-O-R. I am spelling it for a reason. <laughs> I wasn't going to make a joke. Santa <laughs> was going to joke. Um, and there's Banger Cave in Blunt Springs, Blunt County. 
And then there is DeSoto Caverns, and that's going to be in Childersburg. Um, the DeSoto reason- Caverns is the one that we went to. Yeah. And actually, it is the only one that you can visit. Um, and I'll Wait, go into that a little bit further. You can't further. visit the other two? You can't visit the other two. Oh, okay. Not anymore. Um, what a bummer. Well, obviously, once upon a time, you could, because the reason I picked these three, and one of the reasons why they're the most famous in Alabama, is all three of them at one point in time were speakeasies. Shut up. <laughs> so, um, to start with, I will explain one thing. The reason why caves were used as speakeasies is they were easy to hide. A lot of them had entrances that weren't easy to find. Um, and the other thing was a lot of them started as like a still where some person was making liquor of some kind, moonshine, gin, whatever. And they were bringing it out to the people and they're like, Hey, why don't we bring these people to us? So we don't have to keep lugging all this stuff around. So it just made sense. Um, but I'll go into, they're, they're all a little bit different and the timing's a little bit different with each of them, but they are, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. The kind of stuff that they did. So I will I'm start with, to hear about it. I will start with Shelter Cave in Huntsville. Um, this one's a little bit more straightforward. A lot of it is more, uh, informational type and it also explains why you can't visit it anymore it was also the first one that was a speakeasy because it was before the prohibition so why would it you was, need a speakeasy before prohibition because it's alabama and liquor and dancing were frowned upon before before the prohibition well it's alabama liquor and it's dancing. alabama <laughs> I mean, still liquor, okay. yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's still actually against the law in some counties. So that's, that says all we need to say about Alabama. We'll leave it at that. So Shelter Cave was, quote unquote, discovered. Obviously, other people discovered it. Most often it was indigenous people, but discovered um, around March in 1888 by Henry Fuller. And when he discovered it, he just had the brainstorm of, Let's turn this into a nightclub. They he decided Boy, get to, it. I mean, smart, right? <laughs> the problem with this one was the entrance was really hard to find and it was hard to get to. So that was one of his first obstacles that he had to overcome. But his plan was to have a dance floor, bandstand, bar, Chinese lanterns, boat rides, and electric lights. So the interesting thing about the electric lights, because that was one of my first questions, like, okay, great, you're wanting to do this late 1800s these other ones are early 1900s how did you see down there like how did you get electricity down there shelter cave may have actually been the first electric lights not only in a cave but in huntsville as well okay i'm sorry so explain to me how there's (laughs) who who was this man (laughs) how's he able to get electricity into a cave when there's no electricity anywhere else i don't understand so um i can i guess i can go ahead and explain that so what they would do is i mean there was electricity and there were electric lights there just weren't any in huntsville because it wasn't as developed at the time but 
they had the ability to run electricity. So it doesn't say, I couldn't find anywhere where it came from, like where the initial initial electricity came from, but they would run it underground. Like they would um, build stuff on top. They would level out the ground. So they would put like concrete on top or whatever. And they would put the lines underneath. And then that's how they would run the electricity into the caves. So don't ask me, but it costs a lot of money. And we'll get to why that's a problem later. The innovation of man. Right. I mean, when they want to drink and dance when they're not allowed (laughs) to. Yeah, tell me about it. So um, the weird thing about this cave was that they called it a speakeasy, but it really wasn't. It was more of a dance hall because the local people knew about it, um, specifically about the dance hall aspect of it. And the townspeople called it Fuller's Folly because the people thought the idea was crazy. But the light, lighting was installed in late June So it was discovered in March, lighting installed in late June. The lighting cost so much that he had to double the admission price from, are you ready? 50 cents. I think so. To a dollar. Oh my God. Breaking the bank. Right? Right? It's just unreal. (laughs) And if you wanted a season ticket, it was $10. That's, That's a steal. That's that's a steal. All you got to do is go there you're gonna... 10 times and you're done. Yeah. So. I'd have my money made back in two weeks. <laughs> Funny you said that. Because the local newspaper actually believed that the venture would work. And I quote, It is only a matter of time until he reaps a golden reward for developing this. The greatest of the world's wonders. Keep in mind, this is late 1800s. They obviously don't know about the rest of the world for the most part. But in their opinion, it was the greatest of the world's wonders. I mean, good for them. Reach for the stars. (laughs) That's right. So within two months, it caught the attention of the Atlanta Constitution and the Memphis and Charleston Railroad. And it was dubbed the greatest natural curiosity in the world. Again, shut up. They talk a lot about the world, <laughs> but they don't actually know. They, for people the that live before the internet, the pyramids. <laughs> like, let's talk about some other things. This is not. I mean, it was amazing. Don't get me wrong. If you've ever been into a cave or a cavern, it's amazing to look at, and it's otherworldly. However, <laughs> to make the claim that it's the best in the world, that's. That might be reaching just just a little bit. I think they might just be reaching a um, just a little, but maybe not. You know, well, I don't know. I don't know the rest to of the them, story. That is their world, so I guess that's technically accurate. So there you we'll go. go from there. The problem was most of the visitors were locals, so they got bored, as locals Duh. do when it's right there. So they stopped paying the high admission price because it just wasn't worth it to them anymore. So really quickly he was in a lot of debt so he had tried to increase his advertising let's get some people outside of Huntsville to actually come here problem was still didn't work you mean the rest of the world yeah the rest of the world (laughs) let's just go for Atlanta Atlanta it's not that far away 
shooting for the moon at that point. (laughs) Well, the problem was, so the railroads were raving and ranting about it, but he had at some point tried to bring like a stop from the railroad close to the caves, but he wasn't able to do that. So it was really hard to bring outside people into the area where the caves were. So again, you have that issue of bringing those outside people in. It's the late 1800s. How are they going to get there? News spread. These newspapers knew about it. They were talking about it, but who could afford to go to Huntsville just to see a cave? Well, and Especially if it's hard to find the entrance to. I don't know. Exactly. And that's the other thing. They hadn't actually developed any of the outside areas. So they kind of opened up the entrance, but it was still hard to get to. Like you could find it, but it wasn't something that you walked into town and, oh, there's the caves. So that was another problem. Well, rumors spread that he had started operating a still in the cave to generate some funds. But again, that failed probably because it wasn't Boy, easy yeah. to deliver it. So then he decided Wait, to... Wait, you're, you're telling me, you're telling me making gallons of liquid in a cave and trying to haul it out wasn't easy? No, apparently not. This, this is he shocking was, to me. So think about it this way. He was innovative enough to get electricity in the cave. But he couldn't figure out how to get liquor out in an efficient at, manner. At this point, I think he might have just been lucky to get electricity in the cave. <laughs> I, I don't know think, if innovation like is the he, one use. I feel like he knew somebody who knew somebody and paid the right price to get it done because he thought he was going to make a lot of money and it just didn't pan out. Rich father-in-law, yeah. Yeah. So then he sold lots for... Um, the cave to multiple people that had a lot of money to try to generate some more income on December 31st of 1888. Keep in mind, he discovered it quote unquote in March by the end of December, he's selling out lots to try to generate income. Not even a year. He didn't even make it a year. Well, he's trying. He's trying. Um, and he basically created an investment company by selling out these lots to these specific people. So it was called the eighth wonder of the world after this. So they decided they were going to build a hotel. They were going to pave through, you know, all of the forest area around it, make it clean, make it nice, easier to see, but they couldn't entice enough attention or attendance to generate the income to be able to do that. So it never happened. You got to have money to make money. That's right. But apparently this investment company, didn't pan out so they were like we're gonna buy the lots but we're not gonna give you any more money like you got to give us money before we're gonna give you any more to to make this work on so here's where you have a little bit of a dark situation that happens and i don't feel like this is the only time this happened but it's the only one i could find and i'll go into this being it's very hard to find negative news about these caves and caverns. I know for a fact bad things had to have happened pretty frequently just because 
time period being what it was. The caves were a perfect place to do illegal activities. People weren't there all the time. But actually finding news reports or anything to talk about, people getting lost, people dying, it's actually really hard. So this is the darkest one that I could that I was able to find. It's not like I was looking for stuff, but it was actually just in an article. So trigger warning about rape and also lynching. Well, I mean, it was Alabama in the late yeah. 1800s. Well, I can't say early that. 1900s. It's 1900 actually. July of 1900. Susie Priest, who was 13, was walking her little sister Nellie home. Oh, what sweet names. Yeah. And they were confronted by an assailant. Nellie got away, the younger sister, but Susie was detained and raped. He did let her go, but when she got back, she told her family. The townspeople found out, and she identified Elijah Clark, who was then arrested by the sheriff and taken to the jail. The family and outside people found out about it, and a mob got started. They found him. They kidnapped him from the jail, quote-unquote kidnapped. Sometimes this was allowed, obviously, at that time. Oh, it was Alabama in the early 1900s. Of course it was allowed. Yeah, it wasn't. And and I don't need to state, I get well, I, I kind of do, I guess. Elijah Wood was described as a person of color. So, right. not, again, I, I not, not surprising. Yeah. So they kidnapped him from the jail, proceeded to take him outside of the town, hung him, and shot him multiple times. Wow. And this is just because she identified him... There's no telling the situation around it. That's that's it. That's all that's all it would say. Reportedly, the members of the mob were fired from their jobs at the local mill because all of them were from that mill. Reportedly. Um, reportedly. That's it. Quote unquote. And that's basically all they say about that situation. From that time until about 1929, there really isn't any kind of reporting about the caves whatsoever. It changed hands a few times. Uh, but in 1929, Spelunkers starting exploring the caves. And they found that the caves were believed to house the largest unsupported roof of any known cave in the world. So, so it actually doesn't have that any one? addition. That in this cave, yeah. So, the roof is the largest unsupported. Now, keep in mind, this is what causes sinkholes. But it, it's still maintained. It's still maintained. Obviously, they keep an eye on it. But it's the largest that they know of in a cave at all. Well, I mean, there's been multiple sinkholes in Alabama. Especially when you uh, they're doing road construction and things like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, they don't have a road over that, do they? Not as far as I know. I think this is a protected, this, well, I know this is now a protected area. So there's no worries about that. And, and honestly, because of that fact, I highly doubt that they will ever build anything on top of that site just because, you know, it's, it's a world acknowledged thing. So they're going to protect that. In 1967, it was actually purchased by the National I have no idea how to say this, but I'll try. Spelunkeological. Obviously, it's I think it's a that that was, that was, might have been close. I don't know. Is is it like spelunkers but scientists? 
Yeah. Spelunkologists. Yeah. <laughs> like geologists. Anyway. Okay. All right. No, All right. I'm following. Society, society, also known as NSS, which is almost what it, almost every place I looked at said it that way. The NSS. They I think that's the preferred out, way. Probably. And they actually made it their I mean, national. I prefer it that way. <laughs> they actually made it their national headquarters because of how big of the that cave of a deal this yes that cave is their national headquarters and it's do they actually, have like it's, i'm sorry I, you didn't you know can't this just say <laughs> yeah you, you can't just say that they made a cave their headquarters do they have like fax machines down there what the fuck is going on um nobody uses fax machines because we're in 2020 dear i'm just you, they probably have you cable. know what i'm talking about electricity i'm pretty sure they can run internet cable so that they have access but i have no idea i don't Are know people what their in office pantsuits going like. into this cave daily do spelunkers wear pantsuits i kind of doubt it i don't i, I had never even heard of a spelunker <laughs> until today <laughs> there was an article actually that said if you're going to go to this cave because this was way back when um if you're gonna go to see this cave and do this spelunking thing make sure you wear old clothes and, you know, shoes you don't care about because you're going to get dirty and your clothes are going to get torn. So I would say they're probably not walking around in pantsuits. That's my guess. But it's not explicitly stated. So I cannot state that as a fact. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fair enough. All right. So it and uh, lastly, it became a national a national natural landmark in 1971 it's actually identified as having the most diverse biological like life that's been discovered in caves i think worldwide at this point so they're currently still studying there on a regular basis and learning new things so it's actually pretty crazy and we can't go there no because they own it and they don't want people going there um, because even after they purchased it, people were breaking in, they were going through the bars and faith in humanity lost. They were making graffiti. They were littering. They would break in to do graffiti and litter. So they don't allow outside people in except for people that are like students wanting to get into this field. Um, they're, they're very strict about it. So is there a Spelunker college I can go to so I can get in this cave? Or is this like... I have no idea. What, what you, kind you have of to degree does that. a Spelunker have? You know, oddly enough, I didn't go into that. I didn't try to research how to become a Spelunker. Um, I just kind of left that I, open because I, I figured you want to know. Spelunking? I want to know. But, well, I'm yeah. sure it's not just Spelunkers. It's probably, obviously, scientists that are researching these types of organisms that live in caves, but they actually had this big article about blind shrimp that live there. Apparently, apparently that's not normal. Wait, shrimp can see. That's, that was my thought, but basically these, these organisms, I I wasn't aware that they could. (laughs) Basically there's these different types of fish and those types that, they have been modified, I guess, by evolution. They don't need eyes in there because it's it's dark. So 
rather than like the deep sea fish that we see that have like a naturally generated light so that they can see something or lure other fish in, these don't have that. So they've studied all of these different animals to find out how they live and how it works. So it's actually pretty interesting, but I won't go any more into that. So that's the first one. Again, not a real speakeasy, but that's what it was referred to. It's really more of a dance hall because they knew about it. Oh, and they, they did boat rides, which for a long time. In the cave? Yeah, so there's a huge lake underground in that cave. And that's where they would do boat rides while it was an entertainment thing. And that's where they do all of the research now. Wait a minute. there's You just skipped over the whole fact that there's a lake <laughs> in this cave. I mean, I said, this is like a huge... Are we? Huge thing. Are you sure that the lake's not made out of chocolate? <laughs> no, it's is not. Is there really a man want, it's not really in there that's obsessed with candy? <laughs> <laughs> and you know how funny you should say that? Watch that with the kids this past weekend. And by the way, the new version is creepy as all get out. But I thought the first one was pretty weird. Second They're one, both terrifying terrifying they're both terrifying all those teeth what is with somebody the teeth? let me watch that movie when i was like four <laughs> don't do it's it. a nightmare it's like wizard i still watch it. i continued to watch it the same thing with wizard of oz <laughs> <laughs> and then you find out the true stories behind some of that and you're like oh what as a kid i knew it was weird i just didn't know how weird okay so the next cave we're gonna go over is the banger cave That one was discovered in the mid-1930s by, quote-unquote, just discovered, obviously, J. Breck Musgrove, and he... Yeah, it was. (laughs) Of course you would say that. It was once known as the only underground nightclub in America. At the time... Wait. No. Mm -mm. (laughs) So there's three... Bro in Huntsville had the world's best underground dance club in the entire world. But this other one's the first one? Yep. Yep. This is this is the only one. It's the only one. I'm gonna talk to you about the third one in a minute, but as far as their world was concerned, it was the only one. Yeah, I heard I saw this. And wait, what was the what was the year that uh Banger Giggity was (laughs) made? The nightclub? What year was it? Uh nineteen thirties. It was, I haven't gotten to the year that it was actually made into a nightclub. It was discovered in the early 1930s. So it was years after the Huntsville one. Yeah, because that was, that one was eighteen. Had been made into a nightclub. Yeah, it was 1888. Because it did shut down before the 19, before 1900. So technically that would be the closest one to this one. Um, and they, they may have known about it, but knew it was closed. Okay. In America, again... 1930s they didn't have access they didn't have google they were making a few assumptions but it's fine um, say. <laughs> this one uh only existed for a year and a half so i, I don't know if you're noticing a trend they don't they don't last they're killing it and then the underground <laughs> nightclub scene i'm telling you uh there are three entrances to this cave one was created artificially for the club to make it easier to access well, they got a leg up on Huntsville. Right. And all they did was use dynamite. Just blew a hole in the cave. Luckily, it didn't collapse. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I know it's the 1930s. <laughs> You'd think there'd be but, a little bit more fancy of a way than just 
toss dynamite at it and see what happens. Not really. America. America. <laughs> so the entrance that was created ended up being a, a spur, which is like uh, a stop for the railroad for both the Louisville and the Nashville Railroad. And they terminated at that station and carried people almost to the door of the cave from the station. So already they're leaps and bounds above Huntsville because they're making it easy to get there. They're almost making it impossible to not get to the entrance. Don't tell me he didn't pay that railroad off. Well, yeah, number one. But I just don't see what what people don't understand or don't like about partying in a damp, cold cave. Like, well, let me get into that. I've never wanted to be cold and damp. There's not a lot of details about the one in Huntsville, right? But this one was hopping. So he created a area for a bandstand and a bar from carved stone. He literally created that, cut it all out. The floor of the first chamber was leveled and covered in linoleum. Ew. Linoleum. I know. Gross. Did they even have, I didn't know they had linoleum then. 1930s? Yeah. Probably wasn't the fanciest stuff, but apparently they did. Well, linoleum now is not fancy, but. (laughs) Fair. Go on. Second chamber was turned into a lounge for the women. A locked and heavily guarded room housed the slot machines, craps tables, roulette wheels, and card tables. Reportedly, the cost... This sounds like a casino. Right? Well, that's part of the speakeasy thing, right? Gambling was illegal, dancing was illegal, and alcohol was illegal at this time. So, that's why it was behind a locked door that was guarded. Um, So, only so many people, only certain people could go in. Reportedly... This all cost around $70,000 at the time. I know you just want to know what that conversion is. Want to take mm-hmm. a little guess? You know what? Why don't you guess? $70,000. 1930s. In, it's 1930, right? 1930s. In the 1930s. In today's money, I'm going to guess it is... Uh, I'm going to say... Ugh. It's only fair. It's so you did hard. This to me last Why time. do I make you guess? <laughs> um, I'm gonna say thirty-two million. <laughs> Jeez, Almighty, that's a hell of a conversion. Okay, you you went. I don't know how to convert what, monies. You did what I did in the last one, talking like the low ball of the jail term. You went like sky high in the conversion. Um, it actually converts to one million one hundred thirty-four thousand six hundred fifty-nine dollars in today's money. A pocket change. Exactly. Here's the here is the kicker. Reportedly, they made their money back within the first few days of operation. $70,000 equals to $1.1 okay. and they made it back within a week, reportedly. What was their cover charge? <laughs> I'll get into the some of the costs of the, the bar in a minute. One thing that I will mention, because again, electricity, right? Still a problem, even though it's the 1930s, still not super easy to get to. So that was a difficulty in the operating. So again... Issues with the electricity. According to a Birmingham newspaper, 
electrical engineers studied the lighting possibilities for weeks, seeking to obtain the proper effects, quote-unquote. The results are that the Bangor Cave and fastness of Blunt County Hills, this is all <laughs> quoted, so bear with me, will sparkle with lights like Broadway. The conduits are underground so as not to disturb the overhead stalactite. I think is how you pronounce it, formations. So they specifically did Stal- not want to... Yeah, there's stalagmite, which I think is the bottom ones, and the stalactite is above, if I remember correctly. Stalactite? Sure. Stalactite. Yeah. Stalactite. Um, stalagmite. Yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, um, so that's one thing that I found very interesting. They wanted to preserve the ceiling elements. Obviously, I didn't care about the floor. So the lights that they actually installed were multicolored. So they weren't even just happy with just doing straight up white lights. They did multicolored lights, different colored lights around different formations in the ceiling, different colored lights for different areas of the cave, different rooms. Um, so it's actually really cool. Um, hopefully I can put some pictures of it on Instagram after we post this because some of the lights are actually pretty fascinating. Um, so they were trying to make the most of the space and to highlight the beauty of the natural surroundings. So they were trying not to change too much of it. Um, but at the same time, come on, they literally carved a bar into the cave. So yes and no. They put linoleum floor down. (laughs) So I mean, yes, good try. Weird flex, but okay. So there was a cafe, lounge, dance space, check rooms for like your coats. Um, there were many other features located throughout the cave. Um, and they did it in unusual and unexpected places. Like it wouldn't be stuff that would, it wouldn't be areas that would be easy to find. You know, because they only wanted to change certain parts of it, but they wanted other things to remain natural. Sort of. So, uh, <laughs> linoleum again, linoleum floor, okay. floor notwithstanding. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Carved yeah. out bar cool, cool, cool. notwithstanding. Cool, cool. I'll get into even more information about stuff that they changed. But whatever. But the multicolored lights are actually pretty cool. They do have a few pictures. Uh, they're not great, but I'm if I can get a hold of them, if I can kind of copy them, uh, I'll put them on Instagram. Um, and you can see some pictures, but there's not a lot, obviously, because this really was a speakeasy. They didn't want people to know about it, except for a few people here and there that obviously were keeping it a secret. Wait, I'm very confused on, they didn't want anyone to know about it, but they had a whole train stop pretty much yeah, at the entrance so of it. They had kind of, because remember, they had the speakeasy aspect behind a locked door that was guarded oh that's right that's right that's right so they had like the lounge and everything so they kind of sold it as like look at this cave it's really awesome look at all these natural things and then like oh for those few of you that you know kind of like the the uh, marble ring here locally that we've been to knock knock say the secret word you get to go in wait is that is that the one behind the hot dog stand yeah, that's the one behind the hot dog stand. 
that has okay. the room okay. in the what's it called the 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 Doctor Who thing pay. Oh yeah, it's the payphone. Yeah, tar Targus or whatever. I'm gonna get yelled at for anybody that loves that. But anyway, yeah, that whole thing. So, and that's obviously where the liquor uh, ideally was served. But I feel like it was also served in the front, but maybe secretively because the bar was cut out of the cave. It was near the front because that's where the bandstand was too. It's it's kind of hard to know because it was so far. I mean, it was so long ago, and there's not a lot of reports about it, but it, it's still pretty cool. There's several pictures, so we posted the picture of it the way it looks today, and that's actually the bar. And I'm going to post pictures of what it looked like. They do have a really good picture of the bar, the way it was originally done, and I'll post a picture of that. It's actually really cool. So that was the picture, the teaser that you posted yeah. on Instagram. Or that so that's, what it, that's what it looked like after all of the graffiti and everything that I'll get into. Oh, people are so rude. Yeah. People suck sometimes. They had the great lighting. They had a cafe, lounge, dance space, check rooms. And they had a lot of this stuff hidden in areas in the cave where it would be unexpected and not easy to see. That was the other thing. There were some things that they just, you could get to it, but you kind of had to know where you were going. So they took, they took advantage of the cave as much as they could for the little alcoves and stuff like that. The orchestra stand provided seating for 20 to 30 musicians and singers. The ledge overhanging the dance floor was surrounded by chromium banisters with colored floodlights to play on the entertainers. Like this is 1930s. Seriously. You had like a light show going on. That's that's impressive. In a cave. Yeah. And they had a place big enough for basically an orchestra. What? Yeah. Popping off. And they had some big names come in there. Um, I forgot to write them down. Specific ones. I think uh, I saw three major ones at the time I, I didn't recognize them so it's not like as famous as it would translate today but it was big for the time so I mean it was it was a hop in place it was well known in the speakeasy scene I guess um, this was a premier arena for entertainers to appear in Alabama at the time and many of the acts were looked were looked at from all over the U.S. It was not just based in Alabama. That's why this place was so successful. And also while right. it, why it only lasted a year and a half. That's what I was about to say. It was so successful for a year and a half. But think about it. You get too successful, you start drawing attention, they're going to shut you down. Yeah, fair. Now you asked about the prices of things. This was kind of fascinating they actually had some of the prices listed meals so they did pre pre-done meals that you could purchase for a dollar and 10 cents they had drinks that were anywhere from 35 cents to like 10 cents that you could purchase so inflation being what it is that's why you spend 10 to 12 dollars on a drink now yeah <laughs> You're being generous, but yeah. What's crazy is you could bring your own drinks if you what? wanted to. Well, it, it, wasn't this during Prohibition, though? 
Yeah, and they did not charge like a cover charge for that. As long as you paid the cover charge to get in, you could bring your own drinks. It was fine. Okay. Well, I mean, I wish they would do that now. Right. <laughs> yeah, that probably wouldn't work out so well. <laughs> um, and in addition... Maybe okay, I would so- go to more dance halls. <laughs> so keeping in mind, right, that the lights, the big thing about the lights was they wanted to, you know, maintain the spectacular natural beauty. They also painted it to resemble a night sky. Painted. With, okay. Well, and you got to think, in the 1930s, this is bright lead paint. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know how many how do you- people know this, but if you even touch formations in a, ca- in a cave or a cavern, a lot of those are, like, basically living things. So when you touch them, you kill them. They don't grow anymore. Yeah, and they are living things. They die. Painted. These jokers painted on it, but they were trying to say that they were protecting the natural beauty. Okay. <laughs> 1930s needs to chill out. <laughs> um, the other thing that was kind of interesting is the Fieldstone Bar, which is the bar that they carved out, had a jar of $1,000 bills on display at all times. Shut up. Yeah. What? And the picture that I will post actually shows that jar on the bar. And it's it, it was like actual $1,000 bills. Yes, they were actual $1,000 bills. You know, that bartender was keeping an eye on that jar. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You lose that jar. Uh, Don't for, forget about losing your job. We are going to take you out. Well, I mean, what a flex, though. Like, <laughs> you. You know what? Uh, I got, you know, a couple of thousand in my savings. I'm going to take it out. I'm going to put it in a jar and I'm going to put it on my desk. <laughs> Sounds. I want to flex that hard. <laughs> Apparently they did. Uh, oh one col- quote unquote colorful habitual visitor was Joseph R. Wheel, which I thought you would like this. He was known as the yellow kid. And he was known that way because of his habit of wearing only yellow clothing and driving a yellow car. (gasps) Boy! Yes! (laughs) Now that's the flex I'm talking about. Get it. Also, he was employed as a casino cashier. And it was later determined that he was a scam artist. (laughs) Of course (laughs) he was. (laughs) With numerous warrants outstanding. And this was discovered when he was arrested in one of the raids later on. (laughs) He got away with it until a raid. (laughs) (laughs) He got arrested and they're like, dude, really? He goes, dang, you caught me. dresses in yellow and drives a yellow car how did you not find him yeah i mean (laughs) i was trying to make it as obvious as i could um that's on you guys i tried i tried to help you as much as i could um there were also rumors and i highly doubt this was rumors of sex workers using some of the quote-unquote less frequently frequented chambers for their business as well. That's I highly smart, doubt it's just a rumor. That's actually really smart. Yeah, that is super smart. Make your money, ladies. So, Megan. 
uh, now we'll get into the rates. So again, I already mentioned you get that kind of success, you're going to get attention for it. So unfortunately, they were targeted very, very heavily by the local um, governor who basically just looked at them and just was looking for a way to shut it down. Uh, I mean, they made it super easy. They put a train station right outside yeah, the entrance. I mean, so. the entrance was not hard to find at all. And, I mean, it's a heavily guarded, locked room. Hmm, I wonder what's happening behind there. Let me in. I mean, what are you going to do? You're just not going to let them in? I'm pretty sure they could bust the door down. Yeah, no kidding. Um, it's probably made out of linoleum anyway. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, so the raid started almost as soon as it opened in 1937. In fact, the first one was June 5th in 1937. It continued until January of 1939, which is about roughly a year and a half after it opened. And that's when it was shut down for good. Uh, The governor was, like I said, the big one that was wanting to shut everything down for the cave. Like he, once he learned it was just his, he was like a bulldog. He was not going to let that go. And the local people, you know, there were local people that didn't like what was going on there. So they weren't exactly helping either. Prudes. Exactly. Uh, so the newspaper actually reported that, uh, the first raid and it said, and I quote, hitting with a bang that reverberated over the entire state, our new sheriff, Ed Miller raided Banker Cave on Saturday night, just after the clock had passed the midnight hour, made a haul, not only in gambling tables, but in arrests and drinks that made wild men wilder. And this was in August of 1937. Yeah. Boy, you hadn't seen me drink some tequila yet. <laughs> Let's go. I mean, what kind of drinks were they talking about? I kind of want some of those. I want to try them at least. Wild men wilder. It, it cracked me up. Doing these raids until basically they got a point of taking them to court and shutting it down. So they shut it down in January of 1939. Early May 8th, 1939, black smoke was noticed coming from the cave. Now, this is after it was shut down. Those that rushed to the site saw it engulfed in flames. Some thought it could have been vandals, but others thought, most thought, it was basically the law trying to make sure that it was never uh, able to be reopened. After that, it never was reopened because it basically basically decimated everything. Yeah, they killed the the stalactites and stalagmites inside of yeah, it. Yeah, it was gone. What monsters. So you can still <sighs> see the bar and the bandstand area, but most, pretty much everything else of the nightclub has completely disappeared. Um, there were years after that of vandals going in, graffiti everywhere, litter everywhere. Um, actually... To be honest, my sister, when we first moved here, she actually went there before it was purchased um, by a private, privately owned person, like not a business, just a person bought it at some point. So but she went in there before that and it was a popular hangout for 
you know, teenagers, they would go in there. Um, but unfortunately, because of what they did to it, it just, it was never the same. It, it was just completely ruined. But the good thing is a, the person that bought it just wanted to restore it. And he didn't want anybody to have access to it because he didn't want them to ruin it again. He has spent all of his time since he purchased it. And I forgot to write down the year he purchased it. Um, restoring it. So he has cleaned off almost all of the graffiti. He has cleaned out the caves. He has redone the steps so that you can go into the cave. And he's been asked multiple times if he's going to open it back up to the public. And right now he still says, no, I don't want it to be open to the public. I like being able to look at it and I don't want them to ruin it. And yeah, I, don't, I don't blame him. I can't him. really say I blame him because I think I want to say he purchased it somewhere like 2006 2007 it's 2020 and he's still he's still working on cleaning it up and he's actually cleaned up the land outside of the cave too because that was covered in litter as well i mean good on him for taking over and saying you know what i'm gonna make this as close to the original as i can and enjoy it yeah that's impressive I'm happy somebody's trying to restore it and hopefully he's not trying to restore it with all of its laminate glory but what it was before it didn't sound like it I mean honestly the laminate's probably destroyed so if I had to guess he probably pulled it up but I don't know how much he could help the like the leveling out because from what I read it was concrete I don't know that he could really fix that aspect of it but that was mostly in the first chamber so hopefully it it wasn't throughout the whole thing that's so sad. Yeah. So, But I'm glad it's in his hands. And again, so that's two of the caverns we've gone over. Neither one of them are open to the public for very good reason. Yeah. So we're moving on to the last cavern, which is DeSoto Caverns. And I'm going to preface this by saying I found a lot of information on this. That being said, it was very hard to find history on the caverns that was accurate. There's a lot of stuff said about it. And when you go on the tour, there's a lot of like rumor type things, but actually researching to find the accurate history was very challenging. Um, but there was a lot of information I was able to find. Well, luckily. I mean, wasn't it native American before? Yes. Yes. Land? And I'll start yeah. with that. So, you know, and that was part of the issue because as the name portrays, and that's where we're going to start, the assumption was Hernando de Soto, which it's named after, who we all Mm -hmm. know and love so much. Mm. It's actually, so the assumption was that he had seen the caves and discovered them. But historically, when you do the, the, the research, there's nothing to show that he even saw the caverns. He was in the general area, so it's possible he was shown them, but there's no evidence whatsoever that he ever stepped foot in them. Before it was known as DeSoto Caverns, it was actually known as... I'm not sure if I can pronounce this right. I did listen to it, but before DeSoto, it was known as Camigula Cave. It was known that way after... Um, for a long time before, like, after it was discovered, 
and they ended up renaming it somewhere down the line to DeSoto Caverns because of the quote-unquote history. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to start with DeSoto because there's history before that, but it was discovered after. So we're going to start with DeSoto. When he came into the area, he was welcomed by the natives that lived there. I don't know how many of you know the stories, but he basically went through lands and took what he wanted and killed and pillaged anywhere else that he, you know, he got what he wanted and he left. He took everything he wanted. That happened. The chief welcomed him, offered to let him live there, but he wasn't done exploring. He thought there was gold to be found. So he refused the offer from the chief. There was a lot of other stuff I'm not going to get into, but basically decimated the tribe there and left. And that's literally all that's known about him being in, in the area. So why it's still <laughs> named after him, I'm not really sure, to be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, all white settlers. Yeah. Did that. So we discovered it. Um, Not shocking. (laughs) So the actual first recorded discovery of this cave was in 1796 by Benjamin Hawkins. And he was actually, he was sent as a liaison between the Native Americans, the indigenous people, and the president, which was George Washington at the time. And he reported George. (laughs) He reported to George Washington what he found, and that officially made it the first recorded cave in the U.S. In all U.S. history, this Um, is the first one. First one discovered by white settlers. First one officially recorded. So it doesn't even necessarily mean that. It just means the first one officially recorded. Okay. Uh, In 19, or sorry, in 1723, a trader... This is actually pretty funny. From South Carolina named I.W. Wright spent a few nights resting in the cave because it was very cold and he knew that the average temperature was in the 60s in caves. Yeah. When we went, uh, it was it was summer and it was like hot outside and uh, we should have brought jackets. Quite pleasant, honestly. But, you know, you like 80 degree weather, so it's whatever. I do. Yeah, it was chilly to me. So <laughs> it was, I, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful cavern, but it was cold. I mean, not my cup of tea. It just kind of is what it is. I mean, that's, that's just caverns in general there. I've been to some um, that it's actually a little cooler than that because it's further, further below ground. So it does, you know, it just kind of depends. So in this case, he goes into rest and he decides to, to carve I W Wright 1723 into the rock wall in the cave. That also makes it the People oldest known. <laughs> this that also makes it the oldest known graffiti in a cave. Okay, but what if when it's, it's what basically if it was, his version of I was here? Yeah, I yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> I understand. But what if it was what if it turned out just to be some kid? They came in and like carved okay, that into can, the wall. That I was can, his initial. I can debunk that. So okay, okay, it, it definitely <laughs> didn't like... happen that way. 
So it's just fucking with people. <laughs> I mean, it totally could have been, but there were other things going on that proved that that wasn't the case. Um, okay, okay. The rumor was skepticism at the door. <laughs> yeah, right. So the rumor was, or urban legend, however you want to look at it, indigenous people found him. And they weren't too happy with what he had done to their cave because the indigenous people felt like this was a very sacred location. And I'll get into that in a minute. Um, So they weren't real happy with what he did. And so they killed him and then left his body underneath his graffiti so that anybody that walked into the cave would see it and take it as a warning. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I don't blame him at all. Um, so George, this is where I'm saying it's debunked. George Stiggins, um, who was also, he was a writer and he was doing a lot of background information about the tribes that had lived there. Um, he wrote a historical narrative of the tribes, his tribe specifically, that had lived in the area. And he described how the bones could be seen in 1780. So, I mean, I don't think he would have lied about it. It could have been somebody else, but more than likely it was him. Even if it was somebody else, it's still a pretty bold warning. Don't do this. And they were found in the exact same place. They were found right under that graffiti. That debunks the idea that that might not have happened. Teach your boy a lesson. Yeah. So during the Civil War, so we're moving forward. The Confederacy took over the cave in the 1860s from a Mr. Morris, who was described as a, quote-unquote, large slave owner. So I'm assuming he owned a lot of slaves. Not that I thought large. you were about to say <laughs> a large man. <laughs> I was about to go uh, rude. But, I mean, okay. I'm just quote-unquote, this is how he was described, so take it as you want. Um, the caves were used to, and actually a lot of the caves in Alabama were used for this purpose, but they were used to mine various resources until the war was over. So they could, they could mine certain things for like gunpowder and explosives. Um, if it was, if it was refined a certain way, they could use it for that. Um, these caves are actually pretty rich in onyx also, um, but I'll, I'll get into that later. So once the war was over, the cave was turned back over to Morris and he eventually decided to turn over the ownership. Welcome for this. Are, are you ready for this turn of events? He turned the ownership over to one of his slaves. What? Yeah. I don't okay. really understand what happened there. It doesn't explain it. It just says that it drops that bomb and it's like, yeah, that happened. What? So a white man, a white man who owned slaves, stole a cave from Native Americans and then gave well, the yeah. cave. Yeah, but at the time, I don't know that he really. It doesn't really explain how he came to own, to quote unquote own it. But you're also talking well, like it's in the 1860s, so you're talking 100 to 200 years later. So he may not have even realized that anybody else owned it before him. That could have been in his family. There's no telling. Because hmm. there wasn't really a quote-unquote owner of the caverns until there, it reported him owning it. So I'm not really sure what happened before that. 
but yeah, so he turned it over to one of his slaves and it remained in the own and quote unquote, it remained in the ownership of African Americans for more than 50 years, oh, which is, cool. is pretty cool. I mean, that's, it's, you know, it's cool that they have that, but again, I feel like it should have been returned to the native Americans. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Um, so the caverns were bought by Ida Mathis around the 1920s to mine for onyx. But due to unforeseen circumstances, i.e. the war and onyx being readily available from Mexico that was cheaper, it made it difficult for her to find a market as well as find workers to mine it. Oh, Ida, businesswoman. Get it, yeah, girl. She was trying. And, and it was a good opportunity. She just kind of got cut at the knees by circumstances being what they are but on the bright side this also allowed for the caverns to be preserved at the time because if they had mined it it obviously wouldn't have been in the shape it's in now yeah they thought it it, it was stated it was almost as if it was still being protected by the tribes who thought it was a sacred ground just a thought Okay. That's what they said. So, going back to the whole speakeasy part, let's get into that. Oh, I forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, in the early 1920s, it was turned into a speakeasy. According to the rumors, there was a distiller named Pete Wiley, and he was making moonshine in the caves and selling it in town because it was easy to hide. But he kind of got tired of carting it back and forth, and he just decided to keep it there, sell it, and make the caverns into a speakeasy called the Cavern Tavern. Oh, Wiley Pete. There you go. Um, It included gambling, dancing, and a live band. Soon it became known as the Bloody Bucket. Why you ask? Why Uh, Yeah, well, I haven't asked yet, but here's me asking. (laughs) Due to the fights that broke out frequently, sometimes resulting in deaths and court cases, which I could not find. What are people fighting about? They're getting you're drunk. Not, you're not hot. <laughs> well, okay. You you talk to my lady. I'm just going to take you out and take you outside and take care of you. Um, they, also used, they also used the various formations on the ceiling as target practice. And, Shut up! No, and shouting and uh, shooting matches would happen in there. So they weren't just fighting with fists; they were also having, you know, bloody battles with knives and guns. So there are still a lot of places you can see where there are gun- there are bullet holes in the different formations. Okay, so I don't remember that from the tour, but also. There's nothing more dangerous I can think of than shooting a gun in an enclosed space. Smart. I mean, just saying, people drinking alcohol don't typically make the smartest decisions. Just a Why does everyone have a gun? <laughs> it's the 1920s. Why wouldn't they? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> 
You know what would really pop this party off in this cavern? That's 60 degrees? Let me whip out my pistol. That's right. Pew, Why pew. not? So, unfortunately, its reputation caused it to receive the attention of federal agents, who, of course, raided it and closed it. I was able to find bah, a case bah, bah. of one case. One. That's it. And I know for a fact there had to have been more. But this is the only case I could find. And I had to go all the way to the end of my Google search. It was like the last, I think there were three more links after it. That was it. Um, And this was actually an appeal filed. So I was able to find some information about the original case. But it was Goodwin versus State where Burley Goodwin... And this is the appeal was filed in June on June 8th, 1937. Burley Goodwin was convicted of manslaughter in the first degree at the bloody bucket. He was charged. This, the bloody bucket was actually written in the appeal, which is interesting. He was charged with murder in this. He was actually charged with murder in the second degree, but was convicted of manslaughter. He, quote-unquote, unlawfully and with malice, aforethought, killed Marvin Lusk by cutting or stabbing him with a knife. There were so many witnesses to this, so it must have been in the actual cavern, but they couldn't bring all the witnesses to actually testify, obviously, because they were in a speakeasy and they could be arrested for that. Yeah, but also... Isn't so malice and whatever foresight, isn't that first degree murder? So basically, he approached him with malice, but he didn't mean to kill him. That's basically what it means. So, manslaughter, it wasn't intentional, he just wanted to cut him up a little bit. Oops, he died. Okay. I, <laughs> I mean, have a, you know, I have a whatever. There's a lot in there, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I know I'm splitting hairs on that that whole fact, of, especially since the early 1900s, but... Bro- and I don't know how much of a difference the charging is between, at the time especially, between murder in the second degree and manslaughter in the first degree, but... He was sentenced to eight years in prison. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, So he was appealing. The appeal was actually that they didn't get sufficient witnesses to prove that he was guilty of it. And he was trying to get out of it. I didn't see a result from the appeal. I only saw the actual appeal document that was filed. Um, The other thing, I was able to find something, but it was really hard to kind of work through and there wasn't any definite information but there was a fight that was reported it was some kind of old news article so obviously news being what it was in the 1920s take it with a grain of salt but there was a fight outside of the bloody bucket where somebody Mm -hmm. had approached a man had approached another man's wife or girlfriend or whatever and he was very upset that he would do that and so he got a bunch of his friends to meet him outside of the bloody bucket and basically beat him to death 
Uh, this but, all seems logical to me. I, I mean, I'm telling you, doesn't it make perfect sense? So again, mm-hmm. this is so hard to find information, but you know, you know, this happened constantly at that time. Oh yeah. Even in just, even in just a year and a half, uh, or however long it was, I think it was about a year and a half that this one might've been two years. It didn't say officially when it closed, but it didn't last long, just like the rest of them. Because again, the entrance was easy to find. It was a popular place. Um, There was this really cute interview where a guy talked to his grandmother who lived close to the caverns. And she was a quote unquote sweet Southern woman. And she she said that there was a cave that people... Whatever. I sound like it when I'm on the phone with clients. Um, <laughs> my customer surface voice. Oh, so sweetheart. Oh, honey, baby child. So uh, <laughs> she said there was a cave close by and there was a bar inside that people would do all kinds of things like dancing and drinking. <laughs> and I was like, oh, honey. I'm not dancing. <laughs> Oh, say it ain't so. <laughs> Bless her. She was a proper Southern woman. We don't do that. My goodness. <laughs> okay, so we're going to fast forward on these parts. Oh, of course not. Absolutely not. So we're going to fast forward to 19, 1965. It's because there's not really any information I could find in between there. A team of archaeologists from the University of Alabama discovered the 2,000-year-old remains of four adults and a baby from the woodland period in the caverns. No. The remains were put on display for several decades. Oh! Right? What? What the hell is wrong with you? Why would you do that? What is wrong with you? Bury them. Okay, so because we've covered that now, I'm going to take us back to all of the information that I could find about the original tribes that lived there. But go ahead if you have any questions or comments. Okay, all right. Uh, Just, what did they put them in, like, a display case? I guess so. It doesn't specify. Why would you do that? What is wrong with you? You literally put bodies on display. But then again, this actually did happen to actual bodies at the time. So, uh, well, no, I know, I know well, in a way 1960s. That, yeah. Uh, 1960 seems a little bit late for that. I know that like 1800s, 1700s, things like that, they would yeah, display could, bodies could of somebody who was dead because they didn't know who it was. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a like a sideshow thing it was like hey do you know this dead body yeah but you also have people (laughs) i don't even know that it was that much earlier they were displaying bummies that they found so same thing ew just in a different location it's gross it should not happen but whatever so you cursed oh we'll get to that so (laughs) The early, <laughs> the early inhabitants of the area believed that the cave was home to fairies. They were never seen, but it was said tracks were found, and they were believed to live in the bats and live on top of, basically, the bats and swallows that lived there. Yeah, as fairies are wont to do. 
fairies are different in Native American cultures than they are now. So it's not like the the forest dwelling ones. They weren't exactly nice. So well, <laughs> that's all we could find the, about it. The, the other fairies weren't nice either. Well, true. A fairy circle where you dance until you your feet fall off like yeah no no thanks at least you're happy so you're doing it (laughs) fair okay so the kusa tribe had a tale about a jaguar that lived in the cave and stole children and dragged them back to the cave the kusa tribe was (laughs) right (laughs) no worries it's fine i'm an adult i'm good super chill (laughs) The Kusa tribe was never able to kill it, but the, and I I really hate to butcher this, but the Abika tribe that wanted to settle there offered to capture and kill it. So they they dug a deep pit at the opening of the cave and covered it with straw. And then they placed a crying baby near the opening to lure it out. Oh, no. Why would you put that baby there? (laughs) I mean... It wants babies. Give it to them. It worked. It worked. Did they put like an? Did they put an ad out? Bring us the. If your baby is the most crying,est baby, bring it to us. They just stole it from whoever they could steal it from. Maybe they asked for volunteers. I don't know. It wasn't. It didn't clarify. I would volunteer. I, I, I don't know. I volunteers tribute. Take this baby. <laughs> it Take won't stop baby. crying. Well, shut up. <laughs> oh uh, my god. So it worked. It doesn't say whether the baby died or not. I'm assuming it didn't. It worked and the tribe threw torches into the holding into the hole and killed the beast. Later Aww. the bones Yeah, well, a jaguar is not too common in Alabama either, so take it or leave it. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that. I was like, I don't think I've ever heard of a jaguar in Alabama. You okay. never know. Maybe it was a bobcat. Cool. Later, the bones were taken out and made into a powder, which was mixed with water for the warriors to drink for strength and bravery. Oh, so this dope. Is, this is, you know, obviously some history there. So that's all I could find on the indigenous tribes that lived there before. Um, there's not a lot of writing. But wait, what if the jaguar was just trying to help new parents get some rest, and it was just <laughs> it was taking the babies back? And it was like, unacceptable. Baby daycare, like I, it was and just they mis- just killed it. It was a misunderstood jaguar. It was just trying to help. It must have been. Oh man, that's, un- that's unfortunate. It happens. I wonder how strong those people were after they they ate it bones well they didn't eat it whatever drank it but gross i don't know i guess it helped so um joy mathis Sorensen. now if you notice mathis is the same name of the lady that bought it back in the 1920s it stayed in that family for a very long time oh Joy Mathis Sorensen, okay. daughter of the Caverns CEO Alan Mathis III, is the fifth generation Mathis to family to work at the park. She okay. grew up on the mountain above the ancient burial ground. From the age of six, she sensed and sometimes saw it in her home. 
spirits of the indigenous people who were not pleased. They gave off this negative energy and frightened her. So uh, she you just, don't say. Right? Um, but she's the first one to report it, or at least have it reported. So that's interesting. And she's wait. So wait, what year was this? Uh, it doesn't say the year, but she's the fifth generation. So it's probably it's it's a good way recent. Uh, thirty forty years ago. When I finish this part of the story, you'll have an idea. Okay. All right. Sorry, go on. So, <laughs> so she described one of the spirits in great detail to her father. When he researched the description she provided, he found it was identical to the clothing worn by the tribe that had once lived there. Yeah, they're telling you to leave, bro. Keep in mind, this was before Google. Okay. I guarantee the internet. I guarantee it wasn't in any encyclopedias she could put her hands on. No, so... ghosts don't need internet. Where did she you. get it? I'm, I'm gonna say she she saw some spirits. Um, you know what? I'm willing to bet other generations before her probably saw stuff, but anyone who saw stuff was either crazy or had a period. So <laughs> probably true. Or I mean, I, Ida could have seen it and just never probably said did. She thought she was crazy. Who knows? So you know, and. Apparently, it might run in the females of the family anyway, because well, I mean, young we are more seeing it. To <laughs> spiritual some of us, phenomena. some of us. Um, not gonna say any names. Hey. He never. <laughs> her father never doubted her when she reported back to him. Yes, Dad. Which, yeah, yes. Thank you. Um, and she reported to him regularly about the things she saw or felt. These encounters continued throughout her childhood and into college. They eventually convinced her father that he had to make peace with the spirits. Alan okay. Mathis did he flew I'm working on it. Alan Mathis flew okay. in members from the various tribes that had once called the land home. They performed a peace ceremony on the grounds in the hopes of reconciling the atrocity atrocities 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 thank you in hopes of reconciling the atrocities that happened long ago and any current disputes the spirits may have with the family living on their land and also renaming the cave after a man who treated them brutally ew now take a moment and think about this he he asked them to come and pray to their ancestors about renaming the cavern but didn't change the name what Did that's what hit me hard like why why wouldn't you just rename it or or name it back to what it was originally known as yeah i don't understand that oh i'm really sorry that we did that do you forgive us well are you going to change it no part of an apology is doing better <laughs> If you're willing to acknowledge that this person committed atrocities to your tribe, why keep the name? Yeah, he slaughtered a whole tribe, like multiple tribes. I, Just I'm one surprised. in that area. 
I'm surprised that it's still called DeSoto Caverns. So am I, after reading all of this information. I didn't know any of that. Okay, so... I didn't know any of it. It gets... Uh. It gets interesting. Okay. So at this point, the tribes did come. They did the ceremony. But they also pleaded to be allowed to rebury the bones of the family unearthed in 1965, which is why I said you'll figure out. So they were on display for decades <gasps> since 1965. No. So these tribes are pleading to be allowed to rebury the remains of their people. And like, they were just on display for curious tourists. They're like, please let us rebury. Like, this is going to do, this is going to be a huge step in the right direction. Let's do this. So Alan yeah. agreed, feeling it was About the right thing to do. No shit. No shit. Uh, a whole family's dead body is not a part of your curiosities cabinet, motherfucker. What? Exactly. Why did, why, why? Why Decades? did they have to recommend that? Like, hey, let us bury him instead of leaving him on display. Your daughter is seeing spirits who are really unhappy. Maybe it's the spirits of the people you have on display. Just a thought. Didn't occur to you to bury him? Oh, that's Maybe. so sick. So feeling it was proper, he let them do it, basically. The tribe members were allowed to find a secret... They were allowed to find a secret location within the cave to rebury their ancestors. They are the only ones who know the exact location of the new resting place. What a generous asshole he is. Right? Interesting fact. He also invited a member of Martin Luther King Jr.'s family to come and pray for peace in a private ceremony at the park to try to release any grudges from the former slaves that may have held that they may have held against Mr. Morris, the slave owner from long ago. I don't know. Like I get it, but at the same time he handed it over to one of the slaves. Well, yeah, he so, handed it I mean, over to one yeah, of the slaves. It doesn't make everything right, but, what, but th- that doesn't make it right either. None of this makes it right. Have a prayer with everybody to make everything right. Like that's no. I feel like that was a PR stunt on their part. I do too. And not an actual. Cause I, if, if they wanted to do the right thing, if any of them wanted to do the right thing, they'd hand over ownership of the entire cave system back to the native Americans and the tribes in that yeah. area. It's not agree. theirs. It never was. It, it shouldn't be owned by anybody. To be perfectly no. honest, the Native Americans they would take be allowed to make it. decisions on who can see it and who should not. It's not something mm-hmm. to make money off of. But I, I, I digress. We're not there yet. Anyway, after the ceremonies, Joy said she could still sense and sometimes see spirits, but that the negative aspect of the energy was gone. And she sensed a feeling of harmony over the land. Mm-hmm. Side note. Very interesting side note. And I had to really research this and stumbled upon it when I was researching the other stuff. I was like, huh. The Mathis family are direct descendants of King Charles I of Spain, who commissioned DeSoto to come to America in the first place. What? No. No. Full circle. Shut the front 
fucking door. <laughs> Maybe that's why the daughter was seeing things. Because it was originally their fault. Or maybe she's just making up the whole thing. Mm. Eh, she could have been. But I don't think she knew the about PR that. PR son. No, probably not. I just... Mm. So Alan feels... We're going to bring him back in. Because, you know, he has no problem talking. Mm-hmm. Alan feels it's his family's duty to right the wrongs of the past. And be good stewards of this place. Oh, that shut has up, been Alan. secreted to so many people throughout history. Like the original fucking people you took it from? Not you directly, but I mean, maybe. So not going on any tangents, Montana. um, That is kind of the end of the history. Now, that being said, currently, and we have some pictures where we went and saw it. They do have a tour. It does not go far into the caverns. Most of the caverns cannot be explored. Um, There's not a lot of easy access to the other parts of it. There is suspicions of people getting lost or dying, but I could not find any actual reports of that there. It is a park. So there are DeSoto falls and there were, there was at least one teenager, but there were two people. I don't remember if the other person was a teenager that died because they jumped, literally jumped off the falls into the water below and died. Part of that's on the park for not putting proper protocols for preventing them from getting there. But also, use your brain. Don't jump off a fall that well, is three stories high. Or however long. Yeah. I mean, it's it's ridiculously high. It's, it's dangerous. They don't let people back there. So they must have gone around something to get there. If you go on the tour, they will show you a lot of this stuff. They'll show you where the band um, possibly played and where the bar could have stood. Um, in the caverns they'll talk about the bullet holes that you can see in some of the formations still they'll show some of the formations that have died because people have touched them so you can see them yeah each of these caves and caverns have amazing formations that you can look at they all have names because of what the person who named them thought they looked like um, a specific one that's mentioned in DeSoto Caverns is the um, cathedral aspect of it. And it is it is beautiful. And there are caverns in Alabama that you can still visit and see. But they are very strict. They only do tours. They only allow so many people on the tours so that the tour guides can keep an eye on people and make sure that they don't destroy what's in there now. Unfortunately, like we're talking about, People long ago didn't respect that. So a lot of that's been ruined. A lot of it's been put in a place where people have to protect it and take it out of the public's ability to see because that's the only options Mm -hmm. left available. But yeah, there's a lot of history that should be talked about that is not talked about. And in those tours, they're not going to talk about the majority of what I just said. No, they're not. And they didn't. Yeah. And the tours aren't that long. I, I want to say uh, maybe all in all with the light show, because there is a light show in there still. It was like, what, 40 minutes? Maybe. Tops. Yeah. Because they don't take you. There used to be places that were open, but they've been deemed too dangerous. So you basically can only see the main cavern at this point. Yeah. And I think that's due to, like, flooding and stuff like that. I feel like when, 
you know, I was a lot younger. Um, we went to DeSoto Caverns when I was a lot younger. Um, and I remember the tour being longer and going through more stuff. So, and I don't know if that's false memory or what. So maybe I'm making that up, but I remember it being longer, but also I was smaller. So everything's longer. <laughs> that's probably um, true. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, it's beautiful to see nature and the way that it looks. Keep in mind what you're looking at. Um, there, yeah. There's a history that's not being talked about. It's history that's told from one side. Very whitewashed. Yeah, very. I had never heard three-fourths of this history. Ever. And it I was had very neither. hard to find it. Good job, dude. That was Ooh. so interesting. I loved it so much. It was what an excellent so episode. And it's interesting. <laughs> I, I actually started it because of the Banger Cave. Because it's not that far away from me. And my sister used to talk about it when she was a teenager. And now I can't see it. So I was very curious of what is so amazing about this cave. And then to see those pictures is pretty cool. Awesome. Oh, I wish I could go to Banger Cave. <laughs> you would. <laughs> so you could say you've been there. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, good job. That was a great episode for all of you two listeners that have tuned in today. Thank you. Yeah, and if you go to the caverns, look out for the spirits. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because they're, you know, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, be sure to um, subscribe if you're on Apple Podcast or uh, Spotify so you can see when we release our new episodes every Friday. Um, and please rate and review. That's the way we get our name out and we get noticed. Um, Sam, where can they find us on Instagram? Uh, we are under Reaper tales. You can find us on Facebook at Reaper tales podcast. And you can email us at Reaper gals at Reaper And We look forward to bringing you more episodes. If you have any suggestions of anything you want to hear about, any local stories, anything nobody else has covered, please, by all means, let us know. We'd love to cover it. Yes, please. So thank you for tuning in. And until next time. The Reaper.